Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, December 19th, 2019. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. A historic vote, President Donald J. Trump becomes the third sitting president to be impeached and the only one to be impeached in his first term. Punching back, President Trump rails against his political rivals, saying Democrats are filled with deep hatred and disdain. Plus, Puerto Rico versus the government. Will cockfighting continue on the island despite a federal law that's expected to put an end to the industry? This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin this hour with President Donald Trump, now officially only the third president in U.S. history to be impeached. The historic vote coming after more than two months of hearings, investigations and hostility between Democrats and Republicans. The House last night approving two articles. Now the question is, when will the case be sent to the Senate for a trial? Here's the very latest. The feud between Democrats and Republicans moving into a new phase, with all eyes now on Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Over the last 12 weeks, House Democrats have conducted the most rushed, least thorough, and most unfair impeachment inquiry in modern history. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi not committing to sending the articles of impeachment to the Senate. We'll make our decision as to when we're going to send it, when we see what they're doing on the Senate side. But that's a decision that we will make jointly. This after a six-hour debate on the House floor. Is this why we came here to serve? To trample on due process rights? To issue more subpoenas than laws? We should care about our allies. We should care about Ukraine. We should care about a country struggling to be free and a democracy. We used to care about democracy. And a historic vote on Wednesday night that will forever mark the legacy of Donald Trump. Article 1 is adopted. Pelosi bashing McConnell, worried about the way he's handled the process so far before it's even reached his chamber. This is what I don't consider a trail fair trial. That Leader McConnell has stated that he's not an impartial juror, uh, that he's going to take his cues, in quotes, from the White House. The Senate Minority Leader renewing his request to have key witnesses testify. I have proposed a very reasonable structure that would do just that. Four witnesses, only those with direct knowledge of the charges made by the House. But McConnell standing by his decision to have a speedy trial with no testimony, saying Democrats should have done their homework. But they chose to stick to their political timetable at the expense of pursuing more evidence through proper legal channels. Some of the president's defenders reacting to the potential delay. Texas Senator John Cornyn saying we don't care if they never come. Of course she wants to wait because she'll never mollify all of the haters and detractors. First, they were rushing through it. Now they want to wait. McConnell and Schumer now have to meet and agree on the rules for a trial before the case moves along. It's not clear when that meeting is going to happen. Now let's go to Pablo Gato standing by in Washington, D.C. Pablo, how is the president reacting today? 
Well, the latest here in Washington is that, uh, according to different sources, uh, President Trump is going to meet with the only congressman that voted against the two articles of, of impeachment, Democratic congressman. His name is Jeff Van Drew from New Jersey. And basically, the reaction of President Trump has been, uh, regarding this impeachment, has been dismissive, uh, has been aggressive and, and really angry. And he used uh, his favorite uh, communications tool, Twitter, in order to express what he thinks. Let's read one of them. I got impeached last night without one Republican vote being cast with the do-nothing Democrats on their continuation of the greatest witch hunt in American history. Now, the do-nothing party won to do nothing with the articles and not deliver them to the Senate, but it's Senate's call, according to uh, President Trump. Yesterday, President Trump was in a rally, a political rally in Michigan, and he also attacked very strongly the Democrats, and he described the process as depraved, an attempt coup against him, illegal, and an attempt to nullify the results of the last elections. But he was uh, praising a lot the Republicans. Let's hear exactly what President Trump said. Oh, I think we have a vote coming in. So we got every single Republican voted for us. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Wow, almost 200. So, so we had 198, 229, 198. We didn't lose one Republican vote. And, and three Democrats voted for us, Haley. In the meantime, the White House press secretary gave an interview today where she basically talked about the process in the Senate, which is uh, going to be very different to the one in the House. Let's listen to what she said. The president, though, will be represented by a very strong team. And as he has said, as I have said, uh, we do we do hope for and know and are confident that we will get a very fair uh, shake in the in the trial over there. And and again, we'll be able to tell our story and the American people will be able to see what the president has been saying all along. So we don't know exactly what's going to be the next steps in this process, but we know that for sure this is going to be one of the most hard-fought election campaigns in the U.S. history. Back to you. Thank you, Pablo Gato in Washington, D.C. for us. And joining me now is Richard Barbario, an associate professor of political science at SUNY Oneonta. Rich, some Democrats are pushing to delay sending the articles to the Senate, as Pablo was explaining, which would delay the trial. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi spoke about that last night and again this morning. Let's take a listen first. The next thing for us will be when we see uh, the process that is set forth in the Senate, uh, then we'll know the number of managers that we may have to go forward and who, that we, who we would choose. Senator Lindsey Graham calls that, quote, constitutional extortion. Walk us through the pros and cons of delaying the articles. Yeah, uh, Speaker Pelosi is a, a very cagey uh, card player. Uh, I don't know that I'd want to play poker with her because uh, she knows the rules and she knows that she does have an advantage at this point that she doesn't have to deliver uh, articles of impeachment to the Senate. There are, there's no stipulation in the Constitution, there's no statutory provision that requires her to do this. Uh, I believe at some point she will have to, uh, but currently 
it's really time on her side. The House of Representatives is going to go out of session for the holiday break. And uh, this leaves people like Mitch McConnell out there twisting in the wind a little bit. He's quite angry, at least uh, uh, rhetorically. He seems quite angry about this and demanding that those articles come over. But it's not really his to do. So the speaker does have at least a, a medium term advantage in that she doesn't have to deliver the articles. She can try to negotiate or find some means of getting more favorable terms for the trial for uh, uh, the Senate. Uh, but she doesn't have to move really outside of, of the timeline of, of, the, of a medium uh, position. Rich, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says this is the most rushed impeachment inquiry in modern history. And here's what he has to say this morning on the Senate floor. So let's be clear. The House's vote yesterday was not some neutral judgment that Democrats came to with great reluctance. It was the predetermined end of a partisan crusade that began before President Trump was even nominated, let alone sworn in. So, Rich, this is the question. Are Republicans in the Senate also being partisan? McConnell has admitted he won't be an impartial juror, despite having to take an oath to do just that. Certainly. The, the process of impeachment uh, is a, a political one. Partisanship is clearly on display here on, on both sides. And uh, the majority leader, uh, McConnell, is trying to find a way to have this trial take place in a way that will be favorable to the outcome that he has already said that he would like to see uh, a result from this, which is the acquittal of the president. So his way of looking at this is uh, to try to have a relatively speedy trial. And he, again, is in this position where he may very much desire to have the speaker to deliver those articles, but he can't force her to do that. White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham was on ABC's Good Morning America this morning and says impeachment has been great for the president. Let's listen. I think what the president has been saying, and if you look at the polling numbers, and it's showing that the American people also are seeing what's going on, his polling numbers continue to go up in terms of Americans don't want to see impeachment and they don't support impeachment. Rich, is that true? Well, if you look at the polls, they're a little bit all over the place. Uh, if you take the, the aggregate of polls out there, if we look at uh, Real Clear Politics, their average of polls, for example, you see there has been some movement. Uh, and it was in favor of uh, uh, the, the president's position on impeachment. Uh, but some of that has coalesced back together again, where maybe it's some folks who had been sitting on the sidelines and not sure about impeachment that they may have come back. And it seems at least a, a good chunk of those folks are in favor of impeachment. So I don't think that uh, uh, that uh, the, the spokesperson for the, the president is 100 percent accurate on that. Things are, are too much in flux to make that type of a determination. And, of course, with the holidays so close, there's going to be a lot of discussion between families and friends. So let's see how those polls move after the holidays. Thank you so much, Associate Political Science Professor Rich Barbario, for your time. Thanks for having me, Lorraine. 
Moving on, another Chinese national has been arrested for trespassing at President Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort in, in South Florida. Palm Beach police say 56-year-old Jing Lu was asked to leave the property on Wednesday, but authorities later found Lu still on the property, taking photos of the resort. They also found her visa had expired. She's been held in jail for loitering and obstruction without violence. The president and the rest of the Trump family were not at the property at the time of the incident. This is the second time this year a Chinese national has been arrested at the Mar-a-Lago property. And President Obama's health care law taking a major hit in federal court in New Orleans. On Wednesday, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals announced a ruling that the individual mandates in the Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional. For now, the law remains in effect, but the ruling sends it back to a lower court to consider whether the individual mandate can be separated from the rest of the law. The move likely means any Supreme Court action on the issue will not happen before the next presidential election. And one day after the House impeached President Trump, seven candidates focused on beating him in next year's election face off against each other. The final Democratic presidential debate of 2019 is tonight at Loyola Marymount University. Paola Bayon has more. And then there were seven. Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, Tom Steyer, Elizabeth Warren, and Andrew Yang met the qualifications needed for tonight's debate. My message is real clear. Let's get the hell up and take back this country. Biden is the front runner, but the competition is tight with Sanders. This is a campaign of the working class of this country by the working class of this country. And Warren. We got a chance to make this a country that works for everyone else. That's why I'm in this fight. And also with Buttigieg, who is in second place overall, but is struggling with Democratic voters under 35, says the latest Quinnipiac poll. Anybody who sees me speak uh, anywhere will hear the message that uh, I have for America. Klobuchar hopes her working class roots give her an edge. I'm someone that has built a career getting things done for people. Billionaire Steyer has long railed against President Trump. We now know that the Oval Office cannot reshape a man who does not believe in constitutional democracy. Meanwhile, Yang says he's got a better chance to make an impression tonight. There will be 50% fewer candidates on the stage this time, and my speaking time would be projected to rise by 50%. <laughs> so it should be a really exciting night. Paula Byron, U News. And turning now to immigration, the Trump administration is proposing new regulations aimed at making it harder for people with criminal histories to seek refuge in the United States. It's just the latest effort by the Trump administration to reshape U.S. immigration policy. Jaime Garcia has the details. There is a new controversial Trump administration proposal that seeks to extend the list of crimes that will disqualify people seeking asylum, like domestic violence and sponsor another migrant to come to the United States. When a parent brings their child, now they can be categorized as an alien smuggler, and that makes them ineligible for asylum. And unfortunately, that's, that's what we're seeing with these changes. It's going to criminalize the act of love of a parent when they bring a child 
to the United States to seek asylum. According with the government, the changes were made to devote more resources to the adjudication of asylum cases filed by no criminal aliens. Unfortunately, America is turning the backs on the most vulnerable of people, those that are fleeing their countries because of situations of life and death. And there is going to come a time where the United States will have to explain to the world why is it that they want to turn their backs on these people, the most vulnerable of the world. This proposal that must go through a public comment period before it's implemented would also deny asylum to those people who have committed low-level crimes, such as re-entering the country irregularly, use fake documents, receive public benefits, or have DUIs. The most concerning part for immigration advocates is that this new rule is taking away from immigration judges the decision of whom should receive the asylum. For decades now, a DUI in domestic violence was always discretionary. The judge had the ultimate power, but with these changes, it's stripping away that discretionary power from the judge and from the asylum officer when it comes to granting asylum. You have to fix the asylum. These rule changes are part of the reform to the asylum process. It started with the Migrant Protection Protocol that had obligated to more than 50,000 migrants such as Fermin, waiting in Mexico instead of the United States for their appointment with an asylum officer. I really hope they give me asylum. In Los Angeles, Jaime Garcia, U News. And singer Camila Cabello speaking out after a series of old social media posts resurfaced. The Cuban-American star calling those messages horrible and hurtful. Jessica Rodriguez has the story. Music superstar Camila Cabello feeling the heat. Apologizing for past racist language and images she allegedly used on a now-deleted social media account. Cabello writing in a statement, When I was younger, I used language that I'm deeply ashamed of and will regret forever. I was uneducated and ignorant, and once I became aware of the history and the weight and the true meaning behind this horrible and hurtful language, I was deeply embarrassed I ever used it. The former Fifth Harmony star statement comes a day after a social media user posted a now-defunct Tumblr blog that they claim belonged to Cabello. The account, which is several years old, contains a series of racist jokes and memes. While Cabello, who dates fellow pop star Shawn Mendes, did not specifically say the account in question was hers. She went on to write, I can't say enough how deeply sorry and ashamed I feel, and I apologize again from the bottom of my heart. But that apology is not enough for many who are taking to Twitter to vent their frustration. One woman writing that even though the 22-year-old star may have made these posts when she was a teenager, at 15 she had to know racism is wrong. Others coming to her defense writing, at this moment we must take her apology and hope she truly means it. Jessica Rodriguez, U News.
Prosecutors in Bolivia issued an arrest warrant for former President Evo Morales on sedition and terrorism charges. The former three-term president has said he wants to return home to his country and is not afraid of being arrested. Morales, who had been in power for nearly 14 years, resigned and left Bolivia in mid-November after an Organization of American States audit found serious irregularities in the way votes were counted in the October 20 election. After first taking asylum in Mexico, Morales is currently located in Argentina. In Mexico, at least 14 people were killed and 12 others were injured yesterday when a van crashed into a truck on a highway and burst into flames in the state of Jalisco. Two of the injured passengers, an adult and a baby, were airlifted in critical condition to a hospital. Some of the victims' bodies were completely charred. According to Jalisco state authorities, the van slammed into the truck, which was loaded with wood beams and parked on the side of the highway. And in Argentina, some 2,000 people protested Wednesday outside the Congress in Buenos Aires to reject the economic measures recently announced by the president of the South American nation, Alberto Fernandez. With flags, pots and slogans, protesters gathered in the afternoon at the Capitol building while lawmakers debated the economic emergency law. Fernandez's administration has already announced plans to hike taxes on farm products and to bring back a so-called tourist tax on overseas expenditure. Cockfighting. It's been an island-wide tradition in Puerto Rico for generations, but a new law has set to put an end to the industry, a move supported by animal rights activists. That is, that is until Puerto Rico's new government, governor stepped in to let the games continue. Nidia Cavazos has the story. Cockfighting in Puerto Rico is an industry that's been regulated since 1933. It moves millions of dollars and employs thousands of people. The fights between these birds fill the main roosters club on the island every week. Once the roosters are released into the ring, the slogan is kill or die, a practice condemned by animal defenders. <laughs> now the battle to defend these fights has been transferred into the ring of politics. Puerto Rico's governor, Wanda Vasquez, signed a law that allows rooster fights to continue on the island just two days before the enactment of a federal law that prohibits them in all U.S. territories, including Puerto Rico. But Governor Vasquez is defending herself. Yes, we have this local production in terms of the animals and all the materials that are used for cockfighting that should not have any conflicts with the federal laws. Island legislators also support what they call a popular sport. The practitioners of the sport of the beak and spurs are not criminals. The governor is aware that this can generate problems with Washington. If you understand that there is a conflict, well, let's talk then. Here it is, an industry that represents the economic sustainability of thousands of families, and we have to take that into consideration. The cockfighters are asking the federal government not to intervene. And when asked if the Puerto Rican police would intervene in federal operations against cockfighting on the island, Vasquez replied. We will have to discuss it because obviously the chief of police of Puerto Rico is the governor and they have to talk to me. Reported by Vilma Tarazona for U News, this is Nidia Cavazos. More of U News after this short break.
Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. The obesity crisis is showing no signs of letting up. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine expects half of all American adults to be obese. 25% will be considered severely obese by 2030. Researchers are concerned because that level of obesity, typically 100 pounds overweight or more, is linked with an increased risk of death and health problems. That could also result in high health care costs. The South and Midwest are expected to be the most affected. Women, African-American adults, and those making less than $50,000 a year are at the highest risk for severe obesity. A new study is suggesting that positive self-talk can help kids with math. Dutch researchers looked at 212 children between the ages of 9 and 13. They asked them how competent they felt with their math skills. Days later, the skills, the kids took the first half of a math test. Then they were randomly assigned to talk to themselves before completing the second half of the math test. Researchers found that kids who took part in self-talk okay. that focused on efforts such as, quote, I will do my very best, improved their performance compared to those who didn't. And Christmas came early for a Salvadoran immigrant who feels lucky to be alive after receiving a liver, a liver transplant. The surgery was the first ever transplant of that kind performed at a Long Island hospital. Nadeli Chavez-Geller has the details from New York. Carlos Rosales is counting his blessings. Well, I always believe in miracles. And now that I become one of them, I believe even more. On December 3rd, the father of two went to the hospital for a routine schedule appointment when he was told he needed to be admitted to intensive care. Carlos had significant liver disease. I told you that his score was 39, almost 40. That means that his life expectancy in the next week it was non-existent. On that same day, however, he was also told they had found a liver for him. Not to give up, to wait until the last breath and, and thank you, God, for this miracle. Carlos's journey to surgery began at the beginning of last year when he started experiencing symptoms related to liver disease. Because it was a moment that I, that I thought that I, I wouldn't make it. Currently in the state of New York, there are 11,000 people waiting for a liver transplant, of which only an approximate 400 of them will receive it. Carlos was the first person to get this type of surgery at a Long Island hospital. His wife thanked the entire medical team involved. Thankful that he's going to be with us this Christmas. The couple also took the opportunity to speak about the importance and critical need for organ donors. It's capable to save or help to live 
longer and not the persons. In New York, Nayeli Chavez-Geller, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.